0: Uh, Where is your treasure? Uh, What's that thing that you value more than other things? Uh, Maybe it's a hobby, like gardening or knitting or music. Perhaps it's a sport, uh, like bike riding or surfing. Maybe it's a life goal, like, like training for a marathon or learning ballet or preparing for a major exam. Or maybe it's a person. Uh, plenty of years ago, Malcolm and Jerry met, uh, and for Malcolm, he was willing to travel to Holland to learn Dutch, all because Jerry was his treasure. And then for Jerry, it meant relocating to Australia, even though her family is in Holland, because Malcolm was here. What about you? What is your treasure? Whatever it is, you will make this thing a priority. You you will say no to other things so you can have this thing. You'll do whatever you can to achieve it. You will set your heart on it. That's what Jesus says in verse 34 of chapter 12. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now your treasure is, is the magnet that will attract all of the parts of your life. That's what he means by your heart will be there. Uh, The core of who you are will be focused on that thing. Uh, Your treasure will be that place, that thing, that person where you invest your time and your energy. It's where you'll commit the best of your resources, your focus, your emotions. Now, for some people, it's promotion or career or comfort and pleasure For other people it's family or beauty or health or physical fitness. Now these are all good things that we can make our treasure. But for Jesus as he teaches us about the kingdom of God he says it is not about a choice between many things it's simply a choice between two. You can either build your treasure on earth or you can build your treasure in heaven. Look at verse 32, he introduces this idea of treasure and he says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says to his disciples, God has given you his kingdom. Jesus, God's king, is showing them and teaching them what it means to live with him as their king. That's the kingdom. Now since that is true, since God has given them his kingdom, they don't need to fear. They don't need to be anxious about the worries of life like clothing and food and housing and family and bills and education and health. Jesus says, don't make those things your treasure because your heavenly Father has given you something far more valuable. He's given you the kingdom. He's given you a treasure better than anything on earth. Now, that's the choice between two that Jesus offers. And so what that means, verse 33, is that you can sell your possessions and give them to to the poor. Your heart is not set on those things. You can be generous and compassionate like your heavenly father. You can live out the priorities of God's kingdom. And as you do that, you're actually building treasure in heaven. Your earthly riches may be becoming less, but your heavenly bank balance is growing. Everything you spend here on God's kingdom earns you a great return in your heavenly account. Now here's the main point of all those verses Nora read for us. God has given you his kingdom, so make his kingdom your treasure. Fix your heart on that. And then live the rest of your life following your heart. That's a description of a single-minded Christian. That's a description of life in God's kingdom. The rest of chapter 12, I think, explains that idea in detail. So, for example, verses 1 to 12, If our treasure is in heaven, then we won't fear men. We will fear God instead. His opinion of us is our treasure. People's opinions or actions won't hurt us because our identity is not bound up in what they think of us. It doesn't make sense to worry about human opinion. Verse 4. Jesus encourages us to do a comparative risk assessment. (laughs) He says, what can people do to you? Well, the worst they can do to you is kill your body. The risk of being on the wrong side of God is far greater. So fear him. Fear. Fear God. Fear God's awesome majesty. Fear his holiness. Fear his judgment. Treasure, value, instead, what God thinks of you because his opinion will actually determine your eternal destiny. Now, when we fear God appropriately... It actually drives us towards him. I think it's the problem with that that word fear in English. Fearing God in the right way, in a biblical way, actually drives us towards him rather than away from him. Fearing him in the right way is actually wonderful because he knows us intimately. He cares for us deeply. At the same time as Jesus telling us to fear God, verse 6 and 7 He describes how intimately and wonderfully God knows us. He knows the number of hairs on our head. He looks after us more than he even looks after the tiny sparrow. When you fear God, when you recognise his awesome power and love for you, you needn't fear anything else. Because whatever happens in this life, God sees and cares for you. And so we can trust that he will protect and provide Which means, verse 8, we can speak about Jesus boldly, even when it's dangerous. Even when the authorities come in and say, no, you can't speak about him. You can defend Jesus, you can stand on his side, because you're fearing God rather than people. And when we do that, verse 11, God promises to help us, his Holy Spirit will give us the words and the wisdom and the courage What a good and generous and merciful God we have. Make him your treasure. Well, the next section from verse 13 is the flip side of that. If we treasure God, it will mean that we don't treasure things. Maybe it's Jesus' mention of rulers and authorities in verse 12, but in verse 13 someone interrupts. Teacher, tell my brother to... Divide the inheritance with me. Now it's obvious where this person has set his heart. Wealth means more to him than his family. I don't care if I lose the relationship with my brother, I just want the money. And so Jesus warns him, verse 15, there are far more important things than stuff, possessions. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. That is the perspective of heaven, of eternity. Life is far more than the things we collect in this 70 or 80 years that we live. Uh, To illustrate the point, verse 16, he tells a parable, a story about a rich farmer. At an earthly level, he's highly successful. His land produces a good crop. It's so good, he he doesn't have room to store all of the grain. It's a good problem to have. So he decides to make some capital improvements, verse 17. He thinks to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. But he's not just about the prophets. He's not short-sighted. He's taking the long-term view. All of his hard work actually serves a bigger purpose. And we think, oh, that's good. Well, read on. He wants to get the most out of life and take early retirement to enjoy the good things he's built. Verse 19 I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That's a very Australian thing to do, isn't it? Work hard now, build up your nest egg, and then take things easy. Now, this man seems to have everything, doesn't he? On the surface, he's the perfect man. He's rich, he's forward-thinking, he's financially clever, but he's well-balanced... He's not a workaholic. He's working to to retire early and enjoy life. He's got life perfectly worked out, hasn't he? Well, no, then in one short paragraph, verse 20, Jesus drags him down. He's he's a perfect fool. His planning may be long-term, but it's not long-term enough. He's only planned for this life and forgotten about eternity. Verse 20... God says, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared? All his planning has come to nothing. Death, the great equaliser, has struck and left him with nothing. What a fool. He'd planned for retirement, but he hadn't thought about death. His planning only stretched as far as grey hair, a stiff back, and golf three times a week. He's forgotten about heart attacks, cancer, death, or life after death, and judgment. But all of those things are real, and you can't control them with money or full barns. You can't stockpile those things in sheds. You can't control those things with a sound investment strategy. There is more to life than things. Eternity is real. And Jesus says only fools think differently. And he concludes his story in verse 21. This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself but isn't rich toward God. Only a fool builds, builds treasure on earth and ignores God. Only a fool is more concerned with his five year plan than his eternal destiny. Only a fool stores up things for himself and isn't rich towards God. What sort of barns are you building? What is the center of your life? What is the thing that you are rich towards? The treasure that you are building. Jesus says if it's anything that perishes then you are chasing fool's gold. Costume jewellery and you're a fool. The only treasure that is worth investing in, that's worth building is treasure in heaven because it lasts. The only relationship worth giving your heart to is being rich towards God. Because he is of greatest value. So put him first. Make his concerns and his priorities your concerns and priorities. And then Jesus goes on to show what that will look like in someone's life. Uh, The next section from verse 22: When you put God first, you put other things second and third. Don't worry, he says, about food or comfort or clothes. And here's the reason, verse 24. Because life is more or greater than food. Life is greater than food. And the body is more or greater than clothes. Now, I think I always misunderstood this. Here's what I think it means. I think he means that life is bigger than food. And the body is bigger, more significant than clothes. It doesn't make sense to worry about the food that you put into your body, the food that makes life continue, because your physical life is a bigger reality than the food that keeps you alive. Why would you worry about food? God has given you life. God sustains your life. Now, that is the greatest miracle. Why would you worry about the food that keeps you alive? Verse 24, God feeds the birds. Of course he's going to feed you. You're much more valuable than they are. And Jesus says your your body is greater than the clothes that you put on it. God has made an incredible human body. Jason and Inyong and I were just marvelling at what human bodies can do and and babies and birth. It's just amazing, isn't it? Of course he will provide the clothes that we put on our bodies. Why, Why would you worry about clothes? God, Verse 27, God clothes the flowers of the field. They don't worry or work or make clothes but God dresses them beautifully how much more will he look after your clothes worry achieve nothing verse 25 and 26 leave it with God verse 30 non-Christians worry about those things they worry because they don't have a heavenly father who looks after them of course they will worry about those things But we're different. Danny and Helena are looking to buy a house somewhere around here. And it's a real struggle, as perhaps some of you know. There are so many other people looking, and the prices are high. And I was talking to Danny about the uncertainty he feels in that process. Not knowing whether this house is the right one, or that one, or will there be something better? Not knowing if they can afford it, and if they make a bid, will it be accepted? but he recognises that there's no need to worry about that. They don't know, but God knows. God is with them, God cares for them. If they miss out on one house, that's because God has something better for them. What an advantage Christians have in situations like that. We can lean on these words of Jesus, don't worry about the small stuff. Leave it to your Father. He knows what you need. Instead of seeking those things, instead of making those things your treasure, verse 31, seek God's kingdom. Seek his kingdom and he will make sure you have what you need. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? Make pleasing God your treasure. Work at righteousness. Work at love and patience and humility. Work to honour Jesus in your words and in your life. In your marriage and in your money. In your public life and in your private life. Verse 33, when money is not your treasure, you can be generous, you can be merciful, you can give it away. If you had to describe your attitude to money, would you use the word generous? Would someone else look at you and say you are generous? Of course it's not just money. We can be generous. If if comfort and rest are are not treasures for us, then we can be generous with our time and our energy and our, our perseverance and our big heartedness towards people. We can wear ourselves out looking after other people. We can give our heart to that. And God will give you what you need in that area as well. Are you serving others sacrificially? Now as you do it, verse 33, your treasure on earth may be going down. Might be money that is dwindling. It, it may be your energy reserves. It might be your, how you're feeling about life. Those things may be going down, but your heavenly bank balance is growing, says Jesus. Now, that's far more useful. That's treasure that lasts. What's interesting is that the more you make heaven your treasure, the more you're actually making a greater impact on earth. You don't become less relevant and useful now as you become a committed Christian. You actually become more effective. Some people say Christians are too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. But Jesus is saying the opposite. Some people say Christians are too preoccupied with the future and they're no use in the present. But when you seek first God's kingdom... You set your treasure in heaven and your heart will be there. And so you will do everything now to build that treasure. You will be growing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 33, you will be sowing generosity and compassion and justice now. You will sow the seeds of the gospel. You will reap a harvest for eternity. You see, the more heavenly-minded we are, the more earthly use we will be. Well, so far we've seen that if God is your treasure, you won't fear men. Secondly, we've seen that if God is your treasure, you won't worry about possessions. And then thirdly, from verse 35, Jesus teaches that if God is your treasure, you won't delay. You will begin to store up treasure today. Don't be like your teenage children. You ask them to clean their room and they say, I'll do it soon. Don't be like that with God. Uh, Don't put it off. Don't say, well, I'll change my priorities once I finish studying. Once I get married. Once the children grow up. Once I become partner. Once I retire. That's when I'll get serious. Now Jesus says, now is the time to begin building your heavenly treasure. You never know when it will be too late to start. Verse 35, Jesus says, it's like servants waiting for their master to return from a banquet. They're not to sit around waiting for a knock on the door. They have their shoes on, their belt tightened and their lamps burning. It may be a long time, it may be a short time until the master returns... Nobody knows when he will come back, but everything is ready. They won't be surprised. Now that's what we should be like as we live for Jesus' return. When we are living ready for Jesus' return, Jesus makes an extraordinary promise. Did you notice it? Did it shock you in verse 37? It'll be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Now, that would be unthinkable in an earthly situation, wouldn't it? But in our heavenly home, our reward will be the approval of our Master. But more than just saying, well done, he will come and put the apron on himself and serve us. He will his service for us will be a reward for our far inferior service for him. What a privilege. From verse 42 we get another parable describing what being ready looks like. Being ready is is not simply looking out the window. Being ready means always doing the things he wants us doing. Being ready is not scouring the pages of the Bible looking for prophecies and then looking in your newspaper and seeing whether they're being fulfilled. That's not being ready. Being ready is living out the kingdom now. When you are storing up treasure in heaven, it's like the servant who is a faithful and wise manager. He's looking after the household for his master. He's making sure everyone gets fed at their proper time. He's not clock-watching. There's no laziness, just consistent, faithful, steadfastness. Week after week, year after year, decade after decade, he works the same whether his master is away or right there watching. Verse 43, it will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. When the master returns, the servant is doing exactly what he does every day. And the master will be pleased. Verse 44, a promotion. He'll put him in charge of everything. Another way of describing our heavenly reward. Make sure that is you now. It's challenging, isn't it? Week after week, year after year, decade after decade uh, I read in the assembly report uh, about Barry Best who is the home missionary uh, is it, it's not Gilgandra it's somewhere out that way he, he is in his 80s he was my youth group leader when I was 13 and, and he's still doing it he's been widowed uh, his, his family's grown up, he doesn't see them. He's, he's teaching scripture every week and uh, running a church in his 80s. Week after week, year after year, decade after decade. Uh, when the master returns, if Barry's still alive, that's what he'll be doing. Fix your attention on what God has done for you in Jesus. You are worth much more than sparrows. He's given you his kingdom and his Holy Spirit. Everything you do is known to him. He's given you himself. Then choose to be rich towards God. Choose to respond to him with with generosity and gratitude. Choose to build your treasure in heaven. And then set your heart there. Centre your life around that decision. Make your thoughts and your words and your priorities those of heaven. And your Lord Jesus will be overjoyed. And when he comes, he will serve you and rejoice in you. What a treasure to live for. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will help us to see Jesus, that you will help us to recognise all he has done for us, and that we may love, make you our priority, set our hearts in heaven. We pray this, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Amen.